and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. And thank you. Thank you for joining me here today on episode 165. I hope that you took some time to listen to last week's episode with Guy Finley on how you can dissolve conflict in your relationship and learn the lessons that you're meant to learn so that you don't have to keep trying to learn them over and over again. Of course, it's all important, or it wouldn't be here on the show, but you'll see why in a moment last week's episode is particularly relevant to what we're going to talk about today. So I got a great question recently. It went something like this. Dear Neil, I'm confused. Every time I hear of someone in a happier, healthier, better, more fulfilling relationship, it's always their second marriage or a new relationship. So our first marriages that aren't working out just doomed to failure is the only way to get an exceptional, amazing relationship where you're thriving is the only way to get that to ditch the first person and find someone new. What is missing in first marriages that people are getting in second marriages? And why do those second marriages always seem so much better? Like I said, it's a great question. I mean, here I am, right? I'm divorced and I'm happy in my second marriage. And I think that's the danger, right? Of thinking that second marriages or that the next relationship is going to be amazing. Um, that they allow us somehow to undo all of the mistakes that we made in marriage number one or the previous relationship. Yeah, if you're not married, but in a relationship, when you're having a tough time or thinking that you're going to just have to suffer in this unfulfilling situation forever and ever, the allure of finding another person that will be better is right there, staring you in the face all the time. So it's an interesting twist on that age-old question of, should I stay or should I go? If people are so much happier during the next go-around, then what's the point of sticking it out with this person? So I want to shine a little perspective on this and give you some ways to think about your situation and what the right thing to do is. First, I don't want to skip taking a moment to thank those of you who have contributed to Relationship Alive over the past week. Bin, Fredna, Cynthia, Barrett, Sara and Lara, you all rock. Thank you so much for helping ensure that Relationship Alive can continue. And if you are finding Relationship Alive to be helpful in your life and would like to make a donation, please visit neilsatin.com support to choose something that works for you. And you can also text the word support to the number 33444 if that's easier for you. Now, my first instinct here was to just bring up the statistic that while 50% or so of first marriages end in divorce, 
the number of second marriages that end in divorce is actually 60-something percent, and it's 70-something percent for third marriages. So while it's tempting to see someone a year or two or three into a new relationship and think about how lucky they are, bear in mind that the chances are even worse for them that they'll stay together. It's possible that you're seeing them early enough in their relationship that everything seems to be better. All the nuisances of their old relationship aren't there because they managed to pick someone who didn't have any of those dissatisfying traits that caused them to break up. But often it just takes a little time and then the cracks in the perfection start to appear. And when that happens, you get to find out if this second marriage or newer, better relationship is truly going to stand the test of time. Actually, it's often not right when that happens, but much later, because often we'll wait months and months, years even, before we decide that things have gotten bad enough that it's time to leave. John Gottman's statistic comes to mind, the that it takes an average couple six years past when they should have gotten help to actually get help. Now, I'm not sure if the Gottmans know exactly why that is, but at least part of that could be not wanting to believe that yet again another relationship is on its way towards destruction. Not being willing to see it until it's too late or nearly too late. One place where you can potentially benefit from a new partner has to do with the selection process after all. There's that element of being on the lookout for specific qualities in a new partner. Top of the list that comes to mind for me is that a new partner with a growth mindset, someone who wants to actually grow and change, and who has the ability to commit, that might help you improve your odds in your next relationship. But this is, of course, if you also have a growth mindset and the ability to commit. In a moment, we're going to explore how you can dive a little deeper around this in your current relationship before you decide that the grass is truly greener on the other side. I will say that this whole journey has been really fascinating for me. There have actually been many times when I've wondered if I knew then what I know now, if my first marriage would have ended the way that it did. Of course, it's tough to say, and because I respect the privacy of my ex, I'm not going to spend much time speculating about that, at least not right now. And if we're going to be completely honest here, my journey with Chloe has been part of what's helped me learn all that I've learned. And of course, it helps to be doing all the research for Relationship Alive that I'm doing and having the conversations that I'm having and working with clients from all over the world in who are in many cases in really tough situations and in many cases seeing those things drastically improve. So it all fits together for me in a way that's helped me have a very different outlook on what's possible.
Now, I'm not saying that you need to start a podcast in order to get this all figured out. And am I saying that you need to get into a new relationship just to figure out how to make it work with the person that you're currently with? No, of course not. I'm just trying to give you some perspective on where I'm coming from. But remember that my whole goal here is for you to be able to leverage my learning so that you can leapfrog ahead in terms of what's possible for you in your life. You don't have to go through the exact same things I'm going through in order to get the benefit, to, to get those lessons. So there's enough heavy lifting for you to do as it is just with simply learning how to truly show up, be courageous and be vulnerable, all of that. We're going to dive a bit deeper in just a moment. But first, I do want to mention this week's sponsor, Babbel, because they are also helping keep the Relationship Alive podcast going, and they have a special offer for you. Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in the world. One way you could change things up in your relationship is to literally change the language that you use to communicate. And it's definitely a fun activity to do together with your partner or in your family. You can learn Spanish, French, Italian, Russian, Swedish, Danish. I'm pretty sure they have more to choose from. As I've been mentioning the past few weeks, my son and I decided that we're going to learn a language together and we picked Italian. Babbel's lessons are designed to get you speaking confidently in your new language and actually remembering what you learn. And so far, I'm really impressed with their approach. Their lessons are crafted by language learning experts, voiced by native speakers using real life situations, and they use several different methods to help teach you the language, which really helps make it stick. While I'm looking forward to a trip to Italy at some point to try it out, at the moment, I'm really just enjoying the chance to stretch my mind and my tongue with new ways of saying important things to the ones that I love. So you can try Babbel for free. Go to Babbel.com or download the app. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com or download the app to try it out for free. And thank you again, grazie, to the folks at Babbel.com for your support of this week's episode of Relationship Alive. Okay, let's dive back in. We were talking about whether or not you should quit your current relationship to start up again with someone new, and I was trying to inspire within you a sense of what else might be possible. What I'd like to do in this moment is to give you hope. I realize that that might not be the best thing. If you're convinced that your current relationship is horrible and that your current partner is not the right one for you, then hope might be the last thing that you actually want or need. You might not know this, but one of my first big hits back when I was doing more blogging and writing was an article that I wrote about how to know when to leave a relationship. And that article still gets tons of traffic. At the time, I ended up doing a lot of coaching 
with people who were just reading the article and commenting on it or writing to me after reading it. And many times it would seem like even though the person showed up wanting some coaching, wanting some help, some advice, that really what was going on were that they were just having trouble making the choice to leave, but that they they really wanted to leave. And so when I would hear about their situation and in the end give them some ideas, what I thought were empowering ideas to make things better, they would just come back around to the leaving. That desire to escape from the pain of a relationship that is not going well is a powerful thing. I know, I've been there, trust me. This is perhaps the moment for the obligatory warning that if you are in a truly abusive relationship, then you should get out and get help. If you're not sure if your relationship is abusive, then get counseling or call a hotline, do something to try and get an objective opinion. And if you've determined that it is abusive, get some space and safety for yourself and any children that might be involved. And from that place of having some space and hopefully some sanity along with it, you can figure out if there's any safe path to re-entry after you've given some thought to whether or not there's any reason to re-enter. That all being said, when you're in a relationship that has been going downhill for a while, whether it's been a long, slow decline or a rapid descent, things can be pretty bad. It can feel a little like abuse. This is why it's helpful to get another opinion. You can be at each other all the time. Everything can feel like you're on the verge of a fight. You can say really mean things to each other. Um, of course, it can be the other way where things are just icy and you're barely even talking to each other. Or you're just coexisting. Without the skills to change the dynamics in a relationship that's reached this point, there's not a lot of hope in that moment. However, with some skills and changing some communication patterns, it's possible that you can actually make a huge shift in your dynamic. So what it comes down to here are a few important questions. First, how important is it to you to try to see things through to a place of getting that renewed connection and growth. In order to shift things, it's going to take some effort. And you might have to do things, in fact, you probably will have to do things that will make you uncomfortable. You might have to learn to quiet the parts within you that are just saying run or fight back. This kind of effort requires your determination. So if you only kinda, maybe, sorta want it, that might make putting that effort in challenging, especially when you have to face your own shit. Okay, question number two. I know it feels like you've tried everything. Everyone always feels like they've tried everything. And 
everything may or may not actually be true. You may have tried everything that you know how to try, but the question is how much have you tried that's actually different? A stretch from what you would normally do. We get where we are because of what we normally do. Generally, our lives are simply the result of our habits of being and doing. So truly trying everything would mean being able to look back and see exactly which habits of yours you've taken responsibility for. In other words, the way that you've contributed to the dynamic in your relationship. And you would also see the ways that you've directly changed those habits into something else. And that would give you a chance to measure the results of making that change. Um, third question. Are you willing to at least try to see the world through your partner's eyes? To experience the world the way they experience the world. And to experience you the way that they actually experience you. Can you see how the way that they act actually makes a lot of sense when you see and experience the world the way that they do? And when you can get at least a little bit into that perspective, what does that change about how you approach them and how you interact with them? So let's talk strategy for just a moment. Typically, it's helpful to choose a period of time during which you were going to take the question of leaving off the table for yourself. This will definitely provoke the parts of you who want to leave or who've already checked themselves out of the relationship. And you'll probably have your hands at least partly full with trying to help those parts of you chill out a little bit about your renewed commitment to the relationship. Now, these are the parts that I was mentioning that I was always dealing with with my coaching clients years and years ago when I wrote that article, the people who really wanted to leave no matter, even though they were approaching me for coaching. And this also, I, I sort of experienced the inverse of this back when I had uh, Chris Sider on the show talking about how to get your ex back. I had lots of coaching clients at that point in time who were in the process of breaking up and they wanted to get coaching with me because they knew that I had gotten training as a conscious uncoupling coach. But in truth, they really wanted their partner back. So you, you have to get really clear on what your motivations are and, and be honest with yourself about what they are. Um, of course, what I'm trying to do in this uh, podcast episode is to maybe nudge you a little bit back in the direction of thinking critically or at least objectively about your decision or your decisions in the relationship or your thoughts that maybe someone else would be better and to instead help you turn your focus back to what you've got here in the moment and how you might be able to make some shifts with that. So the only way that you're truly going to find out what's possible in your current relationship is to stop the threat 
of leaving and escape from jeopardizing either the safety that your partner feels in the relationship or jeopardizing your willingness to make different, sometimes difficult choices to act differently. If you act differently, you're going to get different results. They may not be better results, but they will at least be different. At some point, you might need to ask yourself the question to assess whether your partner is willing to actually change or not. And if things have really come to a head in your relationship, then this might also be a time to demand or at least politely insist that your partner get help with you. Uh, either coaching or a counselor or a retreat or a course, you get the idea, something to help shift the dynamic and to get their participation. Because it's best if you can involve them somehow in the process of actually seeing the dynamic of your relationship for what it is. Um, that is something that's not quite working right. And to see the benefit of owning their own part in it, just like you're doing, and taking some power back for uh, being able to actually make a shift through taking responsibility and taking different actions. Your partner might feel really empowered when they see that this is possible for them. And it also might explain some of how you're able to make some changes and shifts. They might be wondering what's been going on with you. If you can get your partner to come to the table, then that will help you shift course more quickly because you can find ways to collaborate. After all, in most situations, it's in both of your best interests to be working together on this project of improving your relationship. More joy and connection for everyone that way. But if they don't come to the table right away, don't despair. As you've heard many times on this show and even during this episode, there are all kinds of ways that you can create change and shifts within yourself and in the way that you show up in your relationship. And this will, in turn, create change in your relationship. When you've been with someone, that partner that you're currently with, or marriage number one, then you are actually, in some ways, at a huge advantage. Do you know them well enough to know what motivates them? What would motivate your partner to want to come to the table? What would be their biggest complaint about you? And what is their biggest desire in their own life or their biggest desire from you? How can you show your partner that they matter to you in a way that will actually make a difference to them? will actually motivate them. And are there ways that you've been maybe ignoring problems that they've been trying to bring up with you? Are there ways that you could show them the connection between what they actually want 
in your relationship and what you want in your relationship. And after you've taken a moment to answer all of those questions, here's another question for you. What are some other questions that would help you access what you've learned in all of the time that you've spent with this person? Do you like how I did that? I just asked you a question that will hopefully help you generate more questions. So when you get stuck, you can always ask yourself that kind of question. This also seems like a good time to just mention my free relationship communication guide. So whether you're talking about your needs and desires in your relationship or trying to understand where your partner's coming from, the simple action steps that I mention in this guide will help you stay connected no matter how challenging the topic is that you're trying to connect with your partner about. And as I mentioned, the guide is free. So just visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions to download the guide for free. Before we go in today's episode, let's revisit that question of a timeline. As you may recall from a few moments ago, I was mentioning that you should take leaving off the table, at least for a certain amount of time. And that amount of time, by the way, is up to you. Three months, six months, a year. Think about how much time you've given and invested to your relationship. And then from that, figure out, okay, if I were going to really try to do this differently and really take charge of that, what would be a fair amount of time to give this situation? And at the end of that period of time, you're going to uh, be able to reassess how things are going. By the way, this actually is just occurring to me. This is all true whether or not you're the one who's thinking about leaving. If your partner is thinking about leaving, you can still make the decision one way or another that you will be committed to the relationship and to seeing what changes you can affect on your own or great in collaboration. But even if your partner is making the choice to leave, you still have a lot of power over yourself and how you show up. Again, can you be committed and can you be the change? It's sometimes surprising to see just how many ways that we're not fully embodying our commitment to the relationship. Even when we think that we're a solid yes, we could still have exits and escape routes all over the place, especially when the relationship is painful. Those are the times that's most challenging to stay present. And again, it's the ability to stay present during those times that will help you face whatever is truly happening and be in a position to actually do something about it. So when you get to the end of the time limit that you've set for yourself, it's time to reassess. How are things going? Have they gotten better? 
are there little cracks with light showing in the darkness? And what steps can you look back and see that you've taken during that time? Did you make definite changes in your habits, in your behavior and actions? Did you make changes in your outlook? Did you get help? What worked? What didn't work? It's just as important to keep track of the attempts that went nowhere as it is to keep track of your successes and build on those. But even your attempts that didn't work teach you something. So it's time to reassess. Reassess doesn't mean you have to have your answer. It just means that you're trying to check in about how things are going and decide whether it's time to shape things in, in a new direction or not. In an ideal world, if you truly decide that it's time to part ways, then my sincere hope is that you and your partner can come to that decision together and figure out ways to part that allow you to stay kind to each other. It's not always possible, but it certainly makes parting a whole lot easier, not only on the two of you, but also to the others impacted by your decisions. The rest of your family, your extended family, your friends, your community. But as you'll see, there's actually plenty of time for you to experiment before you get to that point. And along the way, while you're experimenting, you'll learn a lot, you'll grow a lot, and if you do decide to try again with someone else in the future, you'll truly have new ground to cover in a new relationship versus just continuing to have to learn the lessons that you should have learned in this relationship. See, it's a win-win. You stick around, you learn more, and the relationship either makes the shifts that it needs to, or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, it's not, but your eyes are wide open, and hopefully your partner's eyes are wide open too. And you can come to some level of mutuality about whatever comes next. Okay, I think that's it for today. Hopefully I've answered your question about second marriages versus first marriages and new relationships versus the current relationship. And I will see you here next week with special guest Sherry Geba, who will be here to talk about overcoming love and relationship addiction, which is another important thing to consider in any relationship. If you are looking for support in your relationship and in your decisions, and if you happen to be on Facebook, come join the Relationship Alive community, where there are over 2,000, I think actually now we're up to 2,200 
listeners who are gathered there to create a safe space for these kinds of conversations. And if you're on Instagram, you can also follow the Relationship Alive official account uh, where we're just getting started, but it would be super awesome to see you there as well. Just make sure that you follow the official Relationship Alive account. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, take care and thanks again for being here with me on Relationship Alive. Relationship Alive.